You know, I looked that word up one time. I was curious when we sing Noel, what, what does that mean? I mean, we, we get the sentiment of it, but what does it mean? And it was interesting that oftentimes folks would define it by itself. They would say, Noel means Noel. And I was like, well, that's not very helpful. What, do you, what is the deal? And so the, I did a little extra work into it, and the word really simply means um, a declaration of Christmas. Noel is Christmas is here. And so the first Noel, the first time that somebody got to say, it's Christmas. I want us to look at that first Christmas sermon, if you will. The first time somebody said, it's Christmas. Look with me in Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 8. We've been talking together about the Christmas experience that we don't want to we don't want to just celebrate Christmas. We don't want to just recognize it. We don't want to just talk about it. We want to experience Christmas. And our series has helped us uh, to, to see it as a Christmas experience instead of just a holiday. I'm ho I hope that you have been able to stay up with the Right Now Media uh, clips each week. There's a different video each week that goes along with what we're talking about. And we'll, uh, we'll get that information out again this week as well in those emails that I told you about. So you'll be watching for that. <clears throat> but this morning I want us to look at the first Noel, if you will, the first Christmas sermon Part of what has made the Christmas experience so meaningful is that each week we've been able to look at the Christmas story from a different perspective. So that one week we understood it from Mary's experience, and one week we understood it from Joseph's experience. Uh, last week it was actually uh, it was actually kind of unique because it was looking at the Christmas experience from Bethlehem's point of view almost. It's like how how did uh, how did God choose that place at that time? Uh, it seems so odd, so awkward, and yet that's that was God's perfect time and God's perfect place for His perfect plan. And this morning. We look at it from the perspective of the shepherds. We understand their experience as described for us in chapter 2 at verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now that's interesting that, that we understand who they were. In, uh, in the Old Testament... You know, we, King David was from a family of shepherds. He grew up as a shepherd boy because that was the family business. In the Old Testament, 
Shepherding was a, um, an honored family business. Was, uh, shepherds were good people who, do, who did good work. By the time we get to the New Testament, culture has changed. Society has changed. And by the time we get to the New Testament, shepherds were no longer seen as honorable uh, family business people. Uh, shepherds were, were dirty. They spend all day dealing with dirty critters. And they were looked down on. They were some of the lowest in society. And you'll notice that these are not only shepherds, but these are the shepherds who have the night watch. And all you do at night is make sure that none of those stupid sheep wake up and wander off. If they do what they're supposed to do, they're just going to sleep. And all you got to do is stand there and make sure that they sleep. If they get up and wander off, then you put them back where they belong. That, in addition to watching for predators who roam around at night, was basically all there was to do. It was actually pretty lonely because during the day, there was so much work to be done, you might have half a dozen shepherds working together. At night, you only really usually needed one because, again, like I say, all he was doing was making sure they didn't wander off. And so it could be very lonely. They were looked down on. They were the lowest of society in many ways. And isn't it interesting that it is, that it is the lowest in society that God shares the good news that Jesus has finally been born. Here is the king of all kings who's finally born into the world. How would you and I handle that announcement? You know, we, we left England on purpose, by the way. I just thought I'd share that with you. We chose to walk away from all that royalty stuff some of y'all think we still in it because you just can't get enough about the princess and the prince and the little princess dogs and all the little. And man, that prince had a baby and all of the, everybody in America just went absolutely nuts. <gasps> he's born, he's born. I understand that. That's what we would expect when royalty is born. But here is the king of all the kings of all the time of all of mankind. The king of all. And there's no fanfare. CNN didn't show up. There's no announcements. Save one. When there was one angel who talked to the lowest in society and said, man, I got some good news for you. It's amazing how God chose to work, to announce the birth of his son. It's kind of fitting, isn't it? Because as you look at Jesus' ministry, those were the people that he connected to most of the time. His message of grace 
was received best by those who needed it most. And he comes first of all to the shepherds. So in verse 8, we are introduced to the shepherds who are out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Fear would certainly be understandable. They, they are doing their jobs. They're watching the critters. They're staying awake. And then all of a sudden, here is an angel that just appears. I've often wondered if their fear might not have been so dramatic had he slowly walked over the hillside, had they been able to see him coming. But he just appears. And when he appears, the glory of the Lord, that Shekinah glory is the word that we learn from the Old Testament. It, it's, it's a light that is pure. Uh, for you and I, it, it would have just been perhaps this, this bright white light, the angel appears to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were filled with fear, obviously. But the angel said to them in verse 10, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He said, don't, don't be afraid. I know you're scared. I understand it. But don't, don't be afraid. Because I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to shock you. I'm here to bring you good news. And when he uses that word, good news, he says, he says fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That word good news is the word euangelion that we get our word evangelize. He is the first evangelist, the first Christmas preacher. And he says, I got some good news for you. And it's such good news that it's going to bring great joy to all the people. A promise of joy. Well, as as David alluded to earlier, as Mr. Truett kind of mentioned, when I hear somebody say, I got good news and it's going to bring you great joy, I want to know what's that news. I don't want to miss it. You got my attention. You know, now, uh, now pony up. Give me, give me the news. And so he says in verse 11, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And there are, there are some important things there that I want us to, to look at very carefully so that we can experience Christmas joy instead of just celebrating it. Instead of just acknowledging Christmas, I want us to experience it by hearing these words. The angel said, unto you is born this day. It kind of reminds us of Isaiah. You go all the way back to Isaiah in the Old Testament. And while he was speaking on behalf of Israel, he was speaking on behalf of God's people, he prophesied and he said, unto us, unto us 
a child is born, unto us a son is given. And so he said, Isaiah speaking on behalf of God's people was able to say, this has been something for us. God has given him to us. But in this case, the angel cannot say that. He doesn't say unto us. Instead, he says unto you. Why? Because what this baby brings is not available to the angels. He says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. You see, it is you and I who need a Savior. The angels don't ever get to experience salvation. There is a reference in the New Testament, by the way, that, that says the angels, the angels long to look into what salvation might be like. They miss out on being saved. They are created beings who already get to be in heaven, but they miss out on what it is to experience God's grace and mercy and to be saved. And so here the angel says, unto you is born. This one is for you. In the city of David. That's significant for at least two reasons. One is the Old Testament told us that Messiah would be born <clears throat> in Bethlehem. And so it's significant that the announcement includes that, that detail. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, because it fulfilled prophecy. That way everybody would know that God had kept his promise and that this one was the Messiah because he's the one who's fulfilling the prophecy. Born in Bethlehem. But not only is it significant because of the, the prophecy, but I think it's also significant because it's the, it's the city of David means that's where kings are born. Bethlehem is where the king came from. And now here is one of David's descendants. You'll remember the promise to David was that his kingdom would last forever. And now here is a descendant of David, the king of Israel, and for that matter, the king of all the kings of all the peoples of all the time. And he was born in the city of the king in Bethlehem. And so the angel gets to announce, unto you, born this day, you no longer have to wait. The people had waited for thousands of years. No longer have to wait because he's born this day in the city of David, the place prophesied and the place that represents the king. He's born for you this day. And then he, gives, he shows us three titles. Born for you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And in that announcement, he sums up all that it means 
to believe in Jesus. He sums up all of Christianity. Unto you, you didn't deserve it. It was given to you by God. That's grace. Unto you is born this day. No longer have to wait. The time has come. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. In other words, God keeps his promises. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah and is the Lord. And there is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we receive him by grace. We can't earn him. We, we don't deserve him. We receive him as a gift from God by God's grace. And it is a fulfillment of God's plan and purpose. And he comes as Savior. The word means deliverer. There were other deliverers in the past. Moses delivered his people. Samuel delivered his people. There were other saviors in that sense. But here is one who saves all of mankind who will follow him, saves them, delivers them, not from an oppressive enemy, but delivers them from the law of sin and death, delivers them from separation from God, delivers them from themselves, that we might have abundant and eternal life. He is born unto you this day in the city of David, a savior, a deliverer, who is Christ. The word Christ is the Greek word that is equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. They mean exactly the same thing. Christ is Messiah. And so he says, he says here is one who is the Savior, but he's not just a deliverer. He is the anointed one. That's the word Messiah means anointed one. The one that God chose, that God brought at just the right time for just the right purpose. He is the anointed one of God, says that God has been actively working in the lives of his people, preparing them for the time when this one would come and change everything. And now he has come, the appointed one, anointed one, the Christ. But not only is he the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. It's amazing to me that he was born to begin with because he is the Lord of all the lords. He is the king above all kings. He is the master, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. And yet he would condescend. He would step off his throne and step out of his glory. And he would take on instead a human form. And he would allow himself to be born into poverty. He was born of a woman, Galatians chapter 4, he was born of a woman under the law, completely human. And yet, at the same time, completely God. He was Savior. 
who is Christ the Lord. It's amazing when we imagine, when we think what it means that he was born that day. Verse 12 says, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. It's not that surprising that a baby would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's what you'd expect. In, in their day, that's not much different than saying there's a baby in a diaper. That's not the, the, the surprising thing. But the surprising thing is here's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, but he's lying in a feeding trough in a barn. And the angel said, that's how you'll know you're in the right place. When you find that baby laying in a feeding trough, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It is almost as if the angels have been sitting and waiting, just looking for this moment from before the creation of the world. Angels have been waiting for this announcement. And then somehow this guy got picked. How did this guy get picked to tell the good news? Out of all the angels, how did God choose this guy to be the first Christmas preacher? I don't know. What an amazing job. He got to say, this day there is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And as soon as he said it, the angels couldn't wait any longer and they bust out in song. They were, they're rejoicing and they're praising God. They couldn't wait for the party to begin. As soon as the announcement is made, that first Noel, the angels all of a sudden just appear everywhere and they're celebrating and rejoicing and praising God. When the angels, verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Do you hear what they mean? An angel announces the good news. Messiah has been born. All the angels break out in celebration and they sing and and I don't know, and maybe, maybe there was a Pentecostal angel who got to dance. The Baptist angel didn't get to. But they, they're dancing and singing and celebrating and hallelujah. And then they go back to heaven. And they go back to heaven and the, the shepherds are left with a decision. Will we stay right here and celebrate Christmas? Will we, will we rejoice and sing our Christmas songs and break out the figgy pudding right here? Or will we experience it for ourselves? And they said in verse 15, let us go. 
Let's go to Bethlehem and let us see this thing that has happened. Hear it in their words. Because they didn't say, let's go find out if it's true. They said, this thing has happened. It's a statement of faith. So they're not saying, let's go to Bethlehem and see if it's real. They already believe it's real. But they want to experience it personally. Let us go and see this thing that has indeed happened. Let's go find this baby. In 16, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And with that, I'm going to end our time together. I want you to hear that very carefully. Because it's one thing to celebrate Christmas. You put up your tree, you turn on your lights, you sing the songs. That's a wonderful celebration. But you're left with the same question the shepherds were on that mountainside. Will we celebrate or will we experience it? And they said, let's go see. And then as soon as they saw it for themselves, when they experienced it for themselves, did you see what it said? They went and told everybody they could find the good news. And the people who heard the good news from the shepherd, then they were changed and they got to experience Christmas as well. Friends, we, we have reason to rejoice. We have so much joy knowing that God loved us enough to send us a Savior who was Christ the Lord. That brings us so much joy. We don't want to just say, okay, I'll hear about it at church. I'll believe it. We want to experience it. You need to know Jesus and find the joy that he brings. And when you do, when you really experience it, Something's going to happen. You can't wait to tell somebody else.